Hey guys, I'm Katie, and this is the Check Your Aesthetic podcast. I am alone today. Alexis is feeling the effects of her extreme jet lag back in Vermont. Um, I'm joking. It's only an hour difference, but she is just overwhelmed with all of the many, many things that she has to do, unpacking and all that stuff, which I totally get. So it is just me here today, but we had a really, really awesome trip. It's Thursday now. She left on Tuesday. So we've had a couple of days since, but we just had a really, really great time. We had a super fun branding photo shoot. We went to the lake. We went to New Orleans. We hung out at my house. We walked my dog. We went to visit my mom. We went to a bunch of amazing restaurants. If you want to see all of the Louisiana food that Alexis tried, we made a little TikTok and reel of her rating the food that she tried. So definitely go look at that. Check that out. It's funny. And um, she loved all the food that she tried. But definitely keep up on Instagram and TikTok to see, obviously, the photos from our branding shoot, but just a bunch of content from when we were together. We had a really awesome time and we planned some fun stuff coming up, especially on socials. But I always just love being with her. We always say we're friends first. So it's just like, it's a fun trip. It's not like we're just podcast co-hosts, obviously. Um, We're definitely like very close friends. So it was good to just be together and hang out. So now I won't see her for like a year almost. Um, The next time that I see her, I think is going to be for her bachelorette party. And then her wedding. So absolutely insane. Um, I'm really excited for that. But I cannot hold it in anymore. I have to tell you guys about today's guest. So today I chatted with Kelsey Dara. She is somebody who I have been consuming content from for probably a decade. So it was definitely surreal to have her on the podcast today. She is a woman of a jack of all trades. She is a podcast host as well as co-host. She co-hosts a podcast with the Try Guys and is a po- has her own podcast. She's an author, a filmmaker, a content creator, a mental health advocate. She is a, a ton of things. Um, she creates content on like TikTok, Instagram. She had her start on YouTube and then worked for BuzzFeed during kind of like their heyday. Um, she was one of the big content creators at BuzzFeed. Don't know exactly what her job title was. She might have mentioned it in the interview, but she was it, the face in a lot of the BuzzFeed videos. If you remember watching um, one that I mentioned specifically in the interview was the absinthe video, like trying different absinthe, absinths. She was in that video. She did a lot of stuff with the Try Guys and still share the podcast. Like I said, she co-hosts with the Try Guys. Anyway, I was definitely a BuzzFeed girl. I spent a lot of my teenage late nights up at 1 a.m. watching BuzzFeed videos in like a deep BuzzFeed hole. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you that are around my age can probably relate. I definitely feel like when YouTube was at its biggest, I was constantly watching BuzzFeed videos. And even now, I still watch the Try Guys videos. I still consume Kelsey's content, um, obviously. Was super, super excited to chat with her. And it was such an amazing conversation. We just kind of talked about the way that the industry has changed. Um, She's been in this industry for a really long time. And she's 
kind of has her hands in a lot of different parts of the industry. So she had really, really good insights on the way that the industry's changed and kind of how she's navigated that throughout her career. So I am not going to bore you guys with a bunch of updates that you've already heard about my trip. And I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get into hearing what Kelsey had to say. It was absolutely such a fun interview and really a surreal moment to be able to chat with her. So I hope that you guys enjoy and let's get into the interview. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for anybody who might not be familiar with you? I know there's a whole lot that you've done on the internet. Um, So I guess if you just want to walk everybody through your kind of history. Yeah, sure. I am Kelsey Dara. I am a creator, internet person, author, filmmaker, recently Mm -hmm. foster dog mom, TikToker. (laughs) That's a new one to add to my list. Um, yeah, I think creator is a good word. Most people know me from my days at Buzzfeed when I was doing all the internet videos and producing and, and starring there. Uh, some people know me from my e-show dating, no filter. And then, yeah, building this new kind of like TikTok audience has been fun. So I try to keep my fingers in all the, the holes. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I was um, telling you, obviously, before we clicked record that I have, I I was a BuzzFeed girl. I was staying up on my laptop till 1 a.m. watching BuzzFeed. When I told my best friend about you coming on the podcast, she was like, can you ask her if the absinthe video was fun (laughs) to film? (laughs) I can answer that. Um, Yes, it was fun to film. What was not fun was going directly (laughs) back to work. (laughs) Well, even the hangover was fine. It was, I had to go back to work right after I filmed that. So I walked back into the office and I just remember being like, I don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. Like I'm just standing here and I need to walk to my desk. Okay. Foot, foot. Mm-hmm. And then I got back mm-hmm. to my desk and I was like typing, typing, like oh trying gosh. to look like, you know what you're doing. And <laughs> you're I was, like, not yeah, there. I was you're not there. mentally somewhere completely yes. different. I was yeah. outer space. <laughs> I yeah I love it I feel like anybody who was a BuzzFeed girl obviously knows who you are but even if you weren't a BuzzFeed girl you I I feel like you've just kind of like popped up here and there and I just like continually keep seeing you doing amazing things on the internet so I absolutely love it um so obviously you kind of started creating content when the idea of a content creator wasn't necessarily a thing now if somebody says I'm a content creator everybody knows, oh, you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on maybe YouTube, but not even as much. So what was kind of your experience getting into that industry at the Mm -hmm. beginning and creating content when it was sort of not really a thing people did yet? Yeah. So um, I'm an attention whore. So I always was like, (laughs) I know I'm going to be in entertainment. And I thought you had to Mm -hmm. do the traditional route of get a manager, get an agent, take acting classes, put yourself on tape, like audition. And I did that when I first moved to LA when I was 20. And I was still going to school part time. And I remember just being like, this is not sustainable. Like, this is a full time job. You need to put so much time, effort and money. It's so full of rejection, which is fine. It was good to learn how to take rejection on the chin. But YouTube had popped up as a thing that people were using more regularly. And I remember being like, Mm -hmm. wait, I don't need a manager. I don't need an agent. I don't even need to like schedule this with anyone. I could just make videos and post them whenever I want. Oh my God. And you know, that's so obvious now, but there really was a time where it was the wild, wild west of just discovering like what kind of creator are you? What's your voice? Like who's your audience? All of that stuff, let alone trying to figure out how do I use a camera? Like (laughs) how do I edit on iMovie? So my first like foray into creator space was making a YouTube video that 
I mean, I think I can say this as like one in like, I don't know, a billion person where my first YouTube video went viral. And back in 2010, viral wasn't even a thing yet. And it got a couple million views and it was a skit called uh, Stuff Girlfriends Say for your younger audiences. (laughs) Um, And it was a parody of another YouTube video I had seen just where I was making fun of the things girls say in relationships that are funny annoying you know we all do it relatable and Mm -hmm. once that had gone viral I started getting calls from managers and agents and you know YouTube agencies were starting to be a thing and I just worked my tail off in that space to begin with when it was really taking off like the OG YouTubers and I always knew like I don't think I want to just be a YouTube person I still want to be in writer's rooms. I want to sell shows. I want to be in a more like linear traditional platform. And I want to have like my own stuff. I want to, I don't want to be confined to just making YouTube videos, even though it was very fun. So that was like the beginning stages Mm -hmm. of getting into the world back way back when. (laughs) Yeah. So when did BuzzFeed kind of come into the equation and how did that kind of process of working with them kind of start? Yeah. I was uh, in the space in my early 20s of like having no money because I was like not having a regular job, but having some money where I would get acting gigs here and there, like a YouTube video Mm -hmm. monetization would happen. And I was just like desperate to have stability financially. And so I started applying for, you know, at this point, in like 2014, uh, there were way more like YouTube monetization networks popping up, YouTube agencies, managerial, you know, positions. And I was like, I'm just going to start applying for a bunch of these positions. I had just gone through a breakup. I was at like my lowest low. And my manager at the time was like, well, have you heard of BuzzFeed? And I was like, oh, the cat list place. And they were like, no, they're doing videos now. I was like, really? So I went over and I looked, I was like, ooh, yeah, okay, this is kind of my vibe. You mean that I could like go here and do this and get paid a salary? Okay. Mm -hmm. And my manager was like, here's the email of somebody that I know works there. Just email him and see what you can do. So I emailed this guy and he's like, oh, I'm not in like hiring. I'm a video producer, like can't help you. Uh, Good luck. And I didn't take no for an answer as he was clearly saying like stop bothering me and every time I made a new YouTube video I would send it to him be like hey hope you well just wanted to show you this video I made let me know your thoughts like that mm-hmm. and he at one point would just like send back like all capital letters like please stop emailing me I can't help you here's like the admissions like process and mm-hmm. So I applied like probably two or three times before they finally gave me a chance at an interview. And it's funny because back then, Ned Fulmer of the Try Guys was the fellowship and interns manager as well. So on top of making videos, he was like in charge of hiring us. And so my first interview was with Ned. And I know, like, LOL. And (laughs) I lied my behind off the whole interview. They were like, do you know what three-point lighting is? Like, do you know how to work in Final Cut Pro? (laughs) Like, are you good with social strategy? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. I didn't know any of it. Turns out I knew a lot more than I thought, but I sure didn't know like the technical terms. So I left that interview being like, I blew it. There's no way I'm getting hired. Like no Mm -hmm. way. And then they called me a couple days later and was like, can you start 
next week with interns and I was like oh my god and that was like not only my first real real job because I had you know worked at like pizza places and babysitting before but this is like my first salaried position and then it also ended up being you know the thing that completely changed my life and career for the better yeah and I feel like it's really interesting now because from a lot of my experiences as well as like the experiences of people that I follow now that I don't think that there's as many salaried like media mm-hmm. companies that you could work at doing kind of what you were doing you're mm-hmm. creating content you're a face that people recognize I mean obviously there's newspapers sure. there's you know still BuzzFeed yeah <laughs> um and there are a few companies like that but it's not as um I guess like outward facing where like more people are doing that more independently now. 100%. So um, what has been kind of your experience transitioning from working a salaried position mm-hmm. at, you know, a media company like BuzzFeed to kind of doing things on your own? And I guess there's been a huge industry sh- industry totally. shift as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're spot on with like the way – we really called it like the heyday. We were there when it was – the best time, you know, things were still so undiscovered, wild, wild west. And that was so fun. And Mm -hmm. there became a point where you feel like you've contributed so much to this company, you know what works, you know your audience, you know what you want to experiment with. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're working for a company who has goals they want to set and their own desires of what success looks like. And there became a point where, I just felt like I could do this on my own and probably better. And I Mm -hmm. was transitioning away from traditional YouTube videos anyway. I knew I I got into podcasting like before podcasting was podcasting. And Mm -hmm. I just was like, I got to go do this on my own. And it was scary. I probably waited like six months to a year of thinking about it every day that I was going to leave. Because it's just so comfortable. Like the snacks are good. The exposure was fun. Like the consistent pay was sweet. But Mm -hmm. it was becoming, you know, unhealthy for my creativity. So transitioning was scary. But I did it in a way where I had still signed this sort of like talent deal with BuzzFeed where I would still appear in X amount of videos. But I was, you know it was more like a freelance contract, which I feel like is kind of yeah. where some media companies are now too, where yeah. they sign these talents or the talent is like the business owner themselves. Um, yeah. So like the hardest thing was probably just the fear of jumping off that ship. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad I did because I was able to change with the economy of like the creator economy. Whereas I feel like if I was yeah. still there, I'd probably still be, um, I'd still be doing what like they were telling me to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of on that same vein, um, what was kind of the involvement that you had in like the creative process when you were with BuzzFeed versus obviously now it's all you Um, kind of like, obviously you were appearing in these videos, but was it always like, here's a script, read this. (laughs) Or, I mean, I know your personality from like now and then it's still, it's not like you weren't acting like yourself, Yeah. but kind of what was your involvement creatively when you were at BuzzFeed? Yeah. I mean, it changed over time. So when I very first started, it was like, you had 100% control from ideation of the idea and format 
to how you were going to light it, to what colors Mm -hmm. you were going to use in the set. I mean, it was like a playground. They were just like, here's all these tools, go build like the thing. And as we started making more money and started working with bigger brands, there became a lot more, I like, there was a lot more opportunity, but with those opportunity became more people it had to go through. So even as we stepped into, you know, making our own, I sold the first series that was not BuzzFeed series that was like paid for by a different company. Um, Comcast had tried to do like their version of a digital um, app watchable, you know, like go 90 type company. If you guys remember those RIP, Um, everyone had one. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're answering to a new boss and a new team and you're having to convince people why they hired you and remind them constantly that you know what you're doing and to just trust you and like give you money and shut up. But they are, yeah. you know, that's not how corporations work. Um, yeah. So as I stepped into what they called like a development position, development partnership, it was myself, Ashley Perez, Quinta Brunson and the Try Guys. And we were sort of their faces of expanding BuzzFeed beyond YouTube videos. And yeah. I'm really lucky that I got to do that because I got to see a lot more of like the business side and the development Mm -hmm. side and working with networks and television shows. Um, I like EP'd our first half hour pilot that sold to Oxygen. Luckily didn't get picked up (laughs) because my career would have (laughs) been in a very different field. Um, But it changed a lot where, you know, at the point where we were doing a podcast called Adult Stuff, I'll say for your younger viewers, Um, and they were like not supportive at all. They were like, here's an iPhone to record on. Here's like, you have to edit everything. We wanted to do a live show. I ended up just making it myself. I like rented out a theater with our budget and got 250 tickets sold within the first hour we had up the tickets for sale. And I got called into HR and they were like, you can't just put on a show in a different state. And I was like, why not? And they're Why like, not? You, there's so many things, like so many steps you have to do. And I was like, well, you guys weren't listening and I already sold all these tickets. So we're going to do it. They were like so pissed at me. <laughs> so <laughs> by that point, I was kind of like, okay, I'm proving even I can make you guys money and success, but you still want to have like such a handle on not only the creative, but the business aspect of things. And so that's when I was kind of like, I, I'm too stubborn. I got to just go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. On the same vein as like creativity, but more in the kind of mindset section of things. Obviously, when you were with BuzzFeed, there's a ton of members of a team. um, And in some of like, I'm sure the projects that you do now, you're working with more people versus like your TikTok content Mm -hmm. is probably mostly just you. So what is your, I guess, experience um, in being creative on a team versus being creative solo and kind of the pros and cons in your mind of each of those? Ooh, man. So you're so right. Like right now I have um, a documentary at a really cool, like big production company that LeBron James owns. And it's like, getting you know lots of attention internally and like we're just finishing shooting it and it's gonna be like their festival run it'll be like the biggest like I'm making air quotes most legit linear traditional thing I'll have done when it's out and I had the biggest case of imposter syndrome going into that project because Mm -hmm. there were like line producers and you know uh, project managers and lawyers and I had always only worked on that 
kind of scale internally with my own team. And so this mm-hmm. was so many more people. I mean, like 20 people on each call making decisions. And I was just like, <gasps> deer in headlights. Like, this is yeah. it. This is the real stuff. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's so in our bones to want to collaborate. And I think what gets in the way is ego. Like absolutely at BuzzFeed, the thing I miss the most is definitely being able to just go to my neighbor and be like, well, you look at this thing. Is this dumb? Or like, is this funny? Whereas yeah. now, you know, when you're doing so much stuff on your own, you're, you're such a control freak. And it really is about letting go of that control and trusting that the best people for that position have been hired to do their job the best way. And you don't have to do everything. Like I don't want to have to edit this documentary. Like exactly. No, I'm not technically cut for that skill. So it's, it's like letting go of the ego, not taking things personally. Like if someone doesn't like your idea, it's not because they don't like you. Um, Yes. And really learning how to let go of that control and, and be adaptable to like workflow. You know, they might do Mm -hmm. things differently than you. And you know, when I work with brands for like a brand deal, that's really easy because I'm like, okay, well, a brand, you know what it's going to be like working with a brand. It's going to be, you know, here's going to be the pain points. It's the same with every brand deal I've ever done. Um, And you just have to learn how to adapt or you don't get paid and hired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I feel like something that I've learned throughout, um, obviously like through my education working with teams through like jobs working with teams through working with clients and things like that is that the the only way to actually learn new things and maybe find a better way to do things is through working with other people mm-hmm. um and I really like what you said that like the best person's been hired for the job mm-hmm. um I feel like you're working with a bunch of other hyper creative people maybe some people that are more technically savvy especially in certain um like positions but or industries but you're if you actually like open yourself up to those other people and their mm-hmm. ideas and their opinions you might learn a better way to do something or something that you never thought of so I feel like oh, it's yeah. obviously very beneficial to oh yeah I'm constantly stealing stuff. stuff from what I've oh, yeah. learned like pitch decks or like ways uh-huh. to run meetings now I'm like oh wow oh, yeah. like starting that way so much better yeah for sure yeah and especially whenever you like you said you're kind of leveling up you're working with more like professional yeah I don't really think that's really a thing, but more professional people. Um, you learn things that you're like, is this how people are? Sp- is this how you're doing things? Yeah. Because this is not how I'm doing things, but uh-huh. maybe I should. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had that experience. And I'm such a young, like I'm 23. So I'm very young in my career. I'm still in grad school. But every time, even podcast interviews, I'm like, I can learn something from every single person I talk to. So I feel like that's 100%. Really attitude. Um, okay. So throughout the time we've been chatting, you've talked a lot about, obviously, when you were trying to get hired at BuzzFeed, you were being persistent and advocating for yourself um, and just kind of throughout your career. So how do you kind of get over the roadblocks of the imposter syndrome and really advocate for yourself and know when it's time to do that versus when maybe you're, you know, like, maybe you shouldn't be pushing Mm -hmm. so hard and you should be letting other people kind of take the reins? Yeah. I mean, it's a practice every single day. I am like an extrovert. I am very loud and opinionated. I have ADHD. I live with chronic pain. So my dials are like usually all the way turned up. Like I have anxiety disorder. Like everything that could be working against what patience is, I pretty much got. So I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like every single day, a practice of 
learning again to move kind of your ego out of the way and practice like authentic listening and authentic Mm -hmm. relating and you might think you know the best thing and you have an idea and you're like this is what we're doing but are you actually hearing anyone else's version and if your name is the name on it obviously you have a little bit more you know fine tuning with these ideas or the creative where if you have final say you know that's totally respectable but understanding that you are just a part of of something much greater and I always go back to like what's the impact I'm trying to have like views and followers and all that money and stuff is cool but like how do I want to sleep at night as a person in this world do I want to be someone that's like doing something and by doing do I need to like you know maybe take this this meeting that I don't really want to take or do I need to like do a brand deal that I I'm like annoyed by the notes like what are the things that I have to do so that I can do the things that I really want to do that I know will will be important to the world absolutely yeah I love that and I feel like that's something that being an influencer I guess I don't really know how much I like that word I like content creator better (laughs) yeah but with that industry kind of growing with TikTok and things like that where you can kind of go viral overnight I feel like you're seeing these people who you can tell they're taking any brand deal, they're taking any meeting, they're kind of doing like anything and everything, which while that's super understandable, I really like what you're talking about with like impact because it's important Mm -hmm. to understand that like what kind of message what you're doing is sending to your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're a great example that you have this audience who some of these people have been with you for Mm. 10 plus years. Some of these people are brand new. And so you have to, like, if you weren't yourself, people (laughs) would call you out. People would know. Right. Like, and I'm sure people have probably had some opinions before. Oh, yeah. Uh, But the only way I feel like to avoid that is to really be, like, consistent in yourself and your values. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess kind of in that same vein, what was kind of the process of finding your voice or your niche as Mm. an independent creator? So after you left Mm. BuzzFeed, Mm -hmm. figuring out what kind of content mattered to you and what, like who you wanted to be online. Absolutely. And I I think it kind of, it does tie into the fact that I've kind of always had a specific point of view. I mean, even when I was in high school, I was like the class clown. I was kind of like the no filter, not afraid to like tell you how it is. I mean, that's a massive privilege, obviously, but it really came in handy with like comedy. And I was raised by a mom who was like the breadwinner and the working mom. And she was never afraid to like speak up in a meeting. And so I went into this world with feeling like I was just as deserving as any guy or man in charge and arguably that they like needed me more um, because, you know, the population is half women uh, of the world. So they they do kind of need us. Um, Arguably we have more, I think now at this point uh, people of uh, that are women in this world. Um, But it was a personality that I always had, even in my early YouTube days was like, very strong female voice with a lot of emphasis on how can I make the world better and easier for women and how can I make content that makes us laugh and like I just think girls are the coolest and I want to uplift them and and hear more from them and so I'm also a Leo Gemini rising and moon so Gemini's really like to be like conduits of information like soaking it in and putting it out into the world Mm -hmm. so I really felt like my purpose was to share experience through either like my personal life or 
through letting someone else tell their story, you know, whether it's on my podcast or through the books and, um, absolutely like it, it's always been really important to me to stay authentic to who I am. And I have changed since I was 20 and first started this, you know, I'm 31 now. And like, I'm sober. I don't drink alcohol. And like at BuzzFeed, I was like the girl that drank alcohol or like, you know, I was kind of like the messy girl back in the day. And now I'm like, no, I'm the strong girl who like knows what she wants. And I think that's way more relatable and appealing to the way like women are, you know, there was kind of like this messy comedy persona that was really hot in the early days. And now it's like, no, we've evolved as humans and you should evolve your content and you should evolve your place in this world. And so I've always just tried to stay true and honest. And, you know, people are always like, Oh, I admire your, um, like, I don't know your ability to talk about anything, whether it be like sexuality or hard topics or, you know, there's just a lot of transparency and, what's crazy to me is I'm like, there's still so much I keep private. Like there's still a lot people Mm -hmm. don't know. I'm just talking about the things that I think women should be freely allowed to talk without shame about. So that's really kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. And I feel like even thinking like back to your first video, first YouTube video that went viral, shit girlfriend say, I feel like now you'd be more inclined to do shit boyfriend say. Like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, shit girlfriend say, that's amazing. And why everyone should have one. Why you should keep saying it. Yeah. Like, like why, why yeah. we don't need men. That's my video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, but I do feel like, I feel like the impact, like you were talking about the impact of creators like yourself who are talking about things like that, I feel, and even talking about things like, around my mom she's Mm. like you can't talk about that and I'm like yes I can Mm -hmm. yes I can and I should you know and I feel like especially as women that's something we get told all the time you can't talk about that you shouldn't talk about that why are you talking about that yeah so I feel like it's so 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 important to um like open those conversations up um and this okay so this question is kind of switching into the more technical side of things but obviously you are doing a bunch of things have done a bunch of different things like you're an author you're on TikTok you know we went through the whole thing at the beginning but what has kind of been your process of hopping from platform to platform Mm -hmm. Um, and is that a strategic thing or is it a genuine thing I assume yeah Um, but what's been that I mean it's both right like there's definitely strategy in like the way you move throughout the creator space like I knew writing a book wasn't going to be easy or short or frankly pay a lot of money because like women just historically make less than men in the um, book space. But I I knew it was important to me. So like some Mm -hmm. maybe in the world might say that that wasn't strategically the best move, but it has turned out to be one of the things that I am the most proud of that has had the most impact that has. Yeah. So I guess that's like where the strategy plays in is like, I know certain things will do better certain places, but what do I want to do? And again, finding that balance of like, okay, I was never a fan of Instagram grid posting because it just felt so posed and so inauthentic. And I did it because I knew I had to for the algorithm, but Mm -hmm. also there would be like a picture every now and then where I'd be like, Oh, I look hot. I need someone to see this. (laughs) So I need, let's get the comments rolling. Yeah. Like I need some, (laughs) I, yeah, I need some hype. Um, Mm -hmm. but now like we see people aren't really like using Instagram even that much anymore. And yeah, they certainly don't really look at grid posts as much. Mm 
mm-hmm. and it's kind of turning into Facebook, right? Where it's like, it's just kind of like your family and friends that you see and you're mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, what are you up to? It's become less aspirational because people can see right through it. So yes. I'm definitely watching trends. I'm subscribed to certain YouTube channels that talk about like creator marketplace. I'm mm-hmm. constantly going to like panels or, you know, today I think there's even like a meta creator event. I don't know. That's talking mm-hmm. about something with Facebook. Like, I'm co- I'm constantly trying to absorb that information. I'm subscribed yeah, which to is like, really important. Yeah. Just as anybody who's in this industry, because I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it is a job. Like yes. you couldn't be spending this much time on it if it wasn't a job. Hundred percent. And there's always going to be people like on certain platforms that are like, this is why this platform is the thing right now, or like this is going to be the new trend. And of course, there's always going to be people selling that idea but I've really subscribed more to again kind of being a little bit in everywhere because just like the way you know MySpace faded out Vine died uh TikTok has become the new hot thing like everything has its cycles so I try to you know as a full-time creator keep myself reminded that you know any of these platforms at any point in any day could just completely disappear and that I always want to have like a backup plan don't have all your eggs in one basket is a long way of saying that (laughs) absolutely yeah agreed um okay so for the last I guess kind of like interview question before we get to our random question um how have you continued to kind of sustain such a strong community um through your content throughout all of these years and all these different forms of content all these different platforms and all of that um, it's funny because like for a while I felt like I didn't like I think when I left BuzzFeed over the next year and like throughout the pandemic I lost like 80,000 Instagram followers and I was like oh boy okay here it goes I'm not doesn't matter yeah, I'm not relevant over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but then it's like no that was happening to everybody every massive creator was losing bots what they were cleaning up accounts it was just like these big mm-hmm. sweeps where you'd be like oh okay so it's not me and again mm-hmm. if you're you're just focusing and just worried on those numbers like you will drive yourself crazy and it can't be the only thing you're looking at right like I posted some TikTok videos that have gotten trash numbers but I think it's hysterical yeah. and I'm like I'm never deleting this so yes. it's a balance for sure of like keeping up with what you want to do what makes you happy but also where is your audience? You know, like I feel like our audience, like girls my age used to be obsessed with YouTube videos and now they're not watching YouTube as much. They want to watch TikToks, mm-hmm. which are quick and they want to watch really good like Netflix series. Like that's where we want to spend mm-hmm. our time. And I'm like, okay, so yeah. where are people going and, and how do I fit in and how do I keep my brand as um, versatile as possible to fit into kind of like any of those markets? Yeah, like meeting your audience where they're at and yeah. connecting with them there. I love that. All right, so random question. We only have one to say, um, but it's a great one. So it is, what's your favorite book that you have read recently? So you can go ahead and start. Okay, it's then- not, I'm still reading it and I love it. And it like, I, I don't know how I stumbled upon it because I'm not going through a breakup, but it's called Breakup Boot Camp. <laughs> and it's like the science mm-hmm. behind heartbreak. And it is so fascinating because it's a it's Mm -hmm. like part unlearning like even some of the stuff I'm learning from past breakups I was like oh my god that that's why I did that or like that's why I felt that way so it's Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it for anyone you don't have to be going through a breakup it's just fascinating to learn how the mind works when it comes to like a strong emotion like love yeah, I always, every elective class that I had in college, every option that I had, I would always take psych classes. I think they're so fascinating. Um, but my book is very much on the other side of the, um, 
the spectrum. It is Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover. I was in a strong Colleen Hoover phase there for a while. I've made myself stop. Um, I don't know why. I should probably just not make myself stop if I'm enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, book was like so super sad. Um, it's about like a woman who went to prison for like involuntary manslaughter of her like of her boyfriend or husband I can't remember which one he was um and it's kind of like her journey to reconnect with like her child um it's very sad but it's just it was a very sweet story and anything with family always kind of gets me Mm. so I really really enjoyed it so I'd recommend if you're looking for a good cry which I know we Mm. all are sometimes yeah (laughs) absolutely okay Kelsey so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you obviously there's a lot of different places um where they can read your book all that good stuff yeah, I'm at Kelsey Dara on all the social media things. Um, my book, as you so graciously mentioned, Don't Effing Panic is a anxiety, panic attack, and depression workbook. Uh, you can get that uh, on Amazon or through Thought Catalog. I know it's in stores, but sometimes I say, like, go get it here, and then it's not there anymore, so I, I'm not going to say that. Um, and then yeah. if you like podcasts, I have my own Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. And then I co-host a podcast with the Try Guys called Guilty Pleasures, where we review your favorite Guilty Pleasure movie and TV shows. So check all of Love those it. out. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe to keep up with our weekly episodes. And then follow us on TikTok at Check Your Aesthetic and over on Instagram at Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. And our personals, Katie Creative Co. and Alexis Adams Aldrich and Kelsey Dara. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.